Stand Up For The Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up For The Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. The world's a mess. And while others fiddle as it spins out of control, No Better Friend Corp is fighting like crazy for you in Wisconsin. We're pro-police and anti-critical race theory. We protect innocent life and demand a strong national defense. We're for reducing the cost of healthcare, kids actually in classrooms, and we celebrate school choice. We love economic growth, don't love politicians driving up the cost of energy or paying people not to work. No Better Friend is thousands of people at outstanding events learning how to make their voices heard. We're Wisconsin's dynamic catalyst for change. I'm Kevin Nicholson. Join us, speak up, protest. NoBetterFriendCorp.com is the place to start. Life today can be terrifying. Join us to effectively fight back. Wisconsin has no better friend. And that's the voice of today's guest we are going to be talking to in just a few minutes, Kevin Nicholson, volunteer president and CEO of No Better Friend Corp. Why are we having him on today? Because it's important to continue to talk about policies, platforms, and procedures. You know, chapter 14 in my new book, that's what the title is of that chapter, Policies, Platforms, and Procedures. We've got to see the world and our culture through the biblical lens and that means politics through the lens of scripture the bible is our guide our filter our instruction manual when it comes to civil government and voting we as believers must consider policies and platforms first above the talking points of the liberal marxist socialist media character matters yes and maybe even tweets matter to some extent but personality as such little importance when you're talking about in the big picture of the policies and the legislation, the things that are implemented, the executive orders. So we need to go back to policies and platforms. That's what we're talking about today with our special guest. And another thing, biblically, what we need to look at, we need to contrast. Well, why do we say platforms? Let's contrast righteousness and wickedness. And I'm not saying all Republicans are angels and I support every one of them. But there's a glaring, a a gaping chasm between the two parties. So in Psalm 1, it says this, Blessed is the person who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on, on his law he meditates day and night. He will be a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and its leaf does not wither, and in whatever he does, he prospers. That's the first three verses of Psalm 1. And so I want to introduce to you Kevin Nicholson. He serves as the president and CEO of No Better Friend Corp. And by the way, that is a 501c4. They're working to implement and advocate for solutions to the problems we all face together in America, while also proactively reaching out and bringing new voices into the conservative movement. The group focuses on promoting conservative ideas and approaches in the areas of economic growth, education, health care, promoting a culture of life, thank you, and national defense. As a U.S. Marine, Kevin Nicholson learned the leadership qualities of honor, courage, and commitment on the battlefield and at home. Marines the world over have adapted the calling card, No Better Friend, No Worse Enemy, to encapsulate their spirit and the attitude towards solving problems. It's from this calling card that we draw, or that they draw the name, No Better Friend Corp. And Kevin also hosts the Right Idea podcast, father of three, businessman, and his wife also uh, serves in No Better Friend. Uh, Kevin Nicholson, welcome to Stand Up For The Truth. 
Thank you, David. Thanks for having me, and thanks for that introduction. I greatly appreciate it. Oh, no worries. Uh, it's a blessing to have you on. This is It's so important to talk about these things. Um, let's talk really quick about your journey. Uh, let's go back to 1999 and 2000 just to see <laughs> your transition and your, I guess, uh, God opened your eyes. Thank, thank him. Yeah. <laughs> so you served as the national president of the College Democrats of America. So tell us about that. You were at one point supporting the Democrat Party, and now you've completely flipped in a good way. So, Kevin, a little bit about your journey, please. Sure. Yeah, no. When I ran for the, the Senate in 2018 uh, for the Republican nomination, this became a really big deal, as you can imagine, in the midst of that <laughs> primary um, a primary loss, and I'll talk more about that in a bit. But, but yeah, I was raised in a family of Democrats, and I always told I told people I've told this story many times. My grandfather was probably my biggest political influence, and he was an FDR Democrat. Mm-hmm. And I would spend many Saturdays with him, and we'd walk through McCarty Park in West Dallas, and we'd walk over to a Boy Blue to get ice cream. And the whole way there, my grandfather would talk about the wonders of Franklin Roosevelt on the way back and on the way back, he complained about Ronald Reagan. That was kind of my introduction to politics. And he was a great guy. I love him dearly. He's a man of faith. Um, we came to disagree on politics and mm-hmm. policy and what is best for empowering people uh, through policy and such. And, but nonetheless, and, and he has passed now. And I think that if he were to look at what the Democrat party has become today, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but I can't believe that he would be happy with what he sees, which is, a full tilt assault at everything which which basically underpins our republic. And yes. to that point, you know, when I you talk about my journey, when I was president of the College of Democrats in 1999 and 2000, I was whatever 21 years old. I didn't know much about the world, but I did know that I was already seeing the the uh, real inception of a, identity politics in America, and it was really starting to crop up at that point. Mm-hmm. And what we know now, what I didn't quite fully understand then, is that identity politics is one of the manifestations of critical race theory. One of the things that we'll talk about today, which yes. is a academic theory founded by Marxists, which is quite literally meant to rip people apart and pit them against each other on the basis of race. Yes. And one of the outcroppings of this was identity politics, which really started to surge up in the early 2000s. And then you see it actually move our country backward in terms of race relations between Americans. And I don't think anybody can dispute that at this point, that the manifestation of critical race theory in in various forms from identity politics to formats we're seeing in education, the military and elsewhere has absolutely moved our country backward, which is horrible. And we have to stop this. But I was at least smart enough, you know, 21 years old to understand I didn't like what I saw in my journey that you that you brought up and the path that God put me on took me away from politics. I went back to school after that time with the College Democrats. I worked, I ran a newspaper for a year, which is like the fifth largest newspaper in the state of Minnesota when I was in college. And mm-hmm. boy, that introduced me to reality a little bit, <laughs> <laughs> how, how things work. Yeah. Then I went out, I worked as a cowboy in Wyoming, which is of course what you do after you run a newspaper, but it was <laughs> a great opportunity to toughen me up. And it really honestly showed me the way agriculture works as a business. And it, mm. it, it introduced me to a level of like physical hardship I had not known in my life to that point. The next step was I came home, I married my wife, Jesse, I finished school. I then uh, joined the Marine Corps in 2004 and I served till 2009. And the Marines sent me to Iraq in 2007, to Afghanistan in 2008 and 2009. And boy, the Marines strip away all your illusions and as part of their training and just introduction to how you lead Marines in situations where you might be taking them to combat. Um, and, and through every stage of this process, and the next stages too, where I, would, I got out of the Marine Corps, I went to Harvard and Dartmouth for graduate school, for business and for government. And I, I, again, what an incredible place to test your assumptions, to, to go to in and see people who thought they were the smartest people in the world and all the things they did not have the answers to. Mm-hmm. I think that was an incredible... That, that part of the education was so much more important than anything they truly taught me in the courses. It was what they didn't know. Yep. And, but yet what they were willing to pretend they knew. <laughs> and so that was an education. And then I came back and had been working in the private sector ever since. And at every stage on this path that God put me on that I never could have predicted when I was, you know, 21 years old and president of the college Democrats. Yeah. I became more conservative because boy, was I exposed to just, just this, this incredible array of challenges, problems, seeing people from every corner of the earth and what they were facing. And you start to understand that the best that we can do on this earth, yes, is to learn to serve and love God, but also 
to our fellow our fellow human to put them in the best position to empower themselves. Mm. We can share the lessons of our lives that have led to success as, and we should, they may not choose to take them. That is their, that is their option. And that is the, the option that they have in life because God gives us choice. But nonetheless, we can share those lessons. We can create an environment where people are best positioned to succeed. And this, this is going to play into so much of what we'll talk about today with no better friend in that, like we believe that conservative policy and ideas like getting people a sound education, allowing families to put their kids in the best position through school choice programs to succeed, that that's what's going to actually empower people such that they're not dependent on others. Protecting innocent life, as you mentioned, one of our missions. I was not raised in a, in a home where I was told to be pro-life. I had to figure this out as I grew up, mm. as I became a father, as I saw life thrown away in combat. I, I came to understand my obligation to protect innocent life. So right now, No Better Friend, we work directly with uh, crisis, pregnancy crisis centers across the entire state of Wisconsin. We actually got a third of them together in the Dells this, this past year hmm. to do a uh, kind of a mini convention and a training opportunity to share best practices to reach people that are being encouraged to, to have an abortion, to, to tell them that there's a different way to embrace innocent life and that the community will be there to protect and to help them. If they do, if they do protect innocent life and choose to to have their child, that is the kind of practical stuff that I think we have to do to reach people where they're at, yes, and then to encourage them to make better choices and put them in a position to succeed. Yes, I want to get to in a little bit here your article over on the Daily Caller. A former Marine demands accountability from Biden for Afghanistan on Veterans Day, and I just want to get your take in just a few minutes on just what happened, uh, the withdrawal from Afghanistan and the, you know, the Biden's policies. But I do want to mention, I do have a card, a brochure someone put in my hand a couple weeks ago, and it says, uh, moving the conservative movement forward, nobetterfriendcorp.com. Five things, economic growth, education, national defense, health care, promoting a culture of life. And I would just ask our listeners that are open-minded, which we probably only have a fraction or less that are either independent or maybe even Democrat, but they're probably quickly shifting. Um, out of these major issues, what are what is the current administration doing to help right. these issues? I think they're, it's, they are making things much worse. America is declining in so many areas. So out of all these issues, uh, Kevin, what one do you want to start with? Sure. Well, let's talk about economic growth. Sure. Um, this is this is the tide that does lift all boats. And when you hear people of the left mock that concept, you really do get insight into where their heart is at and, mm. and how little they do care about the empowerment and the success of other people. Because look at what Joe Biden did immediately upon coming into office. The first, one of the first things he did, the first time he had a chance to sit at the Oval or at the uh, the desk in the Oval Office and sign something, he basically shut down the Keystone Pipeline, yep. which began to drive up the cost of energy in our country. Uh, the United States had become a net exporter of energy for the first time in a long time, and that was an, an incredible achievement on the part of the American people. And he immediately went about trying to shut that down. One of the next things he did was try to find ways to extend payments that discouraged people from working for as long as humanly possible. As long as he could get away with that, he wanted to do it. The result was this creation of the scarcity of labor in the United States of America, which did a couple things. One, it drove up the cost of labor for, for, for employers and producers in an artificial way. The market wasn't doing this. Joe Biden was doing it. The Democrats in Congress were doing it. Yep. And also just created scarcity. And so scarcity of products, of services, of things that Americans procure and that they need. Now, we've since heard from the left more recently that we should all shut up and take our medicine because <laughs> we don't really need that stuff anyways. And that's their just And this is this is what happens in socialist and communist economies. Yes. The people, the elite say to you, you don't need this stuff anyways. We'll decide if you do need it. So you just wait your turn. And you can literally see what is happening in this country as the left is now openly agitating for planned economies and decisions. But taking a step back, what has happened as a result of these decisions that Joe Biden made is the creation of inflation. And so when you when you juice the cost of energy and you juice the cost of labor, you surge prices everywhere and you destroy economic wealth in real time for real people. And so you look at people that are already in disadvantaged situations. Now they have a situation where life costs more than it did before. 
And that is highly problematic. And what they were offered by the government, by the Democrats, was a monthly payment for some duration of time that discouraged them from getting on with their life and being successful. Mm-hmm. Compound that, and it gets to these other topics you talk about for No Better Friend. They're in schools. So many people in disadvantaged situations are in schools that are, A, not giving their kids skills to go out and compete in a world, world competitive economy. B, are teaching their children literally to hate each other on the basis of race. And yes. Basically, you're right, putting them behind the curve for their entire life as a result of the, the hatred that is being taught to children through critical race theory initiatives. Um, and then you look at violence. And then we have done uh, back-to-badge events across the entire state of Wisconsin. Um, and that's where I met your producer, Crash, at one of them. But No Better Friend sponsor. We literally brought together thousands of people across the state to allow law enforcement leaders to speak directly to the, communi- the communities that they police and talk about the challenges they face. Well, here are the challenges, and I've heard it directly from law enforcement leadership. They can't recruit people. They can't retain them. That's as a result of politicians like Tony Evers throwing them under the bus, and other politicians too, frankly, who, you know, without knowing facts about what has or has not happened in given cases, come out and besmirch the reputation of law enforcement. Mm-hmm. Um, through those actions, they have put law enforcement at a disadvantage, and the result is this. In cities like Milwaukee and other cities across our state and nation, murder rates have doubled since this since basically 2020 violence rates have doubled since 2020 so to your point on what we've seen come from the left well what have they done they've destroyed economic prosperity in real time they have besmirched law enforcement and literally made people's lives less safe both the people in law enforcement and the people and the communities that they police yep. uh, in addition they have again promoted a culture that basically devalues our our bonds as Americans and attempts to pit us against each other. And again, the basis of race, it's one of the most just bizarre, confounding and cruel things that you've seen a group of leaders do to their own people in human history to, to strategically take us backwards. Yes. Uh, since the progress we made in the civil rights movement, the whole thing is, is mind numbing. And, and to your point and to your listeners, some of whom might have to one at one point consider themselves a Democrat as you know, members of my family and as I did once 20-some years ago, look at what the left is doing. This is no longer about, you know, they want to pay more for stuff. We want to pay less. It's not about property taxes. Their goal is to undermine the foundation of the republic in which we live and to take us to a totalitarian-style government in which they will decide what kind of car you can buy. They will decide what your children will be taught in schools. And if that happens to run, you know, against your belief structure, they, as far as they think, that's too bad for you. Yeah. And so if we don't stand up and fight this, and again, I found it no better friend coming out of my primary that I lost in 2018, because people came to me and said, what do we do to grow the conservative movement? How do we reach new people? Well, we founded this group in order to take these policies across the state, the policies that you read, these ideas, these pillars, and say to people, hey, we'll meet you where you're at. Maybe it's going to be an education reform and school choice, because we did. We got 1,000 kids to the state capitol in 2020 before COVID hit. The vice president flew in. Uh, it was a great opportunity to talk directly to children and to families and say, guess what? It's conservatives that are fighting for you and fighting for your children and your future. And it was the Democrats. I'll, I'll say two things which are important. One, we got those 1,000 kids to the state capitol to celebrate school choice programs in Wisconsin. And Tony Evers fled the building. He would not be seen by these children who, again, these kids are smarter than I was at their age. They're there to celebrate their education. I know I wasn't that mature um, when I was their age, but but he left the building. And while while he was missing, the state legislators, the Democrats, had a press conference saying, we need to shut these programs down. And if, if we can explain this dichotomy to the people of Wisconsin, not all of whom are conservatives today, say, this is this is it. This is the break between the the rest of us and the, the crazy left. Like, we want your kids to succeed. Your kid grows up and he's more successful than me someday. I don't take offense to that. I think that's great. But I want to give them the tools to do that. The left wants to take that away from you. And they want to put you in a system, whether that's education or them, you know, pummeling your, your employer into submission. They want to own all facets of your life. Like, all leftists have. And Mm -hmm. I think that's so important to this discussion, right? To say what we're seeing here is not new. It's not different than what's happened in the past. 
when we've seen totalitarian style leftist socialist governments, the way that they exert their wills control all facets of life to decide what you're allowed to say and when you're allowed to say it. They change language. This is this is all these crazy things we're seeing with people trying to uh, cancel people and trying to take words out of context or make words off limits. That is in complete keeping with leftist tactics throughout all of history. So, too, is the attempt to separate people by ethnicity and race, which was very much a part of Soviet leadership yep. in, in the old USSR. Yes. So we, we have to say that we're up against something that we've seen before in human society. Yes. It's evil and it hurts people. Yes. We are speaking with Kevin Nicholson today, president and CEO of No Better Friend Corp. The uh, website, NoBetterFriendCorp.com. Critical race theory. We're going to come back and talk about a recent podcast he did, a phenomenal topic. We need to discuss even more national defense, health care, and a lot more with Kevin Nicholson on Stand Up for the Truth in just a minute. Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up for the Truth with David Fiorazzo. Our guest today, Kevin Nicholson. And uh, one of the things I wanted to ask you, Kevin, is I'm sure people in the past couple decades have been shocked or surprised about the direction of America, what's going on, particularly with our government, with the Marxist infiltration, not only in our government, but of course that flows over into government schools, into culture, into corporations, and of course the media in America. But um, as you've been traveling around and doing these events, what is your take on people's perspective on what's happening in the country? Well, and to, to your point, shock, certainly, I think, as some of this really started to crystallize over the course of uh, 2020 in a series of events, right, that took people out of their normal rhythm of life. Um, and, 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 of course, you know, COVID's a real thing. It is a public health issue. People have to make responsible decisions. But the lockdowns that were, that were deployed by people like Tony Evers and others were, yeah. were hugely destructive to our society. It took children out of school. And, and literally put them behind the curve. And as the most disadvantaged kids are put in the worst spot, it took people out of their normal course of life. And what they saw happening was pretty ugly and brutal as they saw, again, people literally telling them that they had to turn on the moral fabric of their nation if they wanted to uh, continue to exist in society. That's basically the message that came from the mainstream media. So shock first and then dismay. And the reason that we cut that ad that you played uh, at the outset of our conversation today, the, the ad that runs from No Better Friend across the entire state was to say, yes, the world is a mess, and we should be honest about that. We should say, in all facets of life that we're talking about here today, you see the left, unfortunately, in a position to drive narratives and also make policy decisions that have destroyed many lives, destroyed personal wealth, d destroyed educational opportunity, literally subjected people to more violence, and then told people that, don't believe your lying eyes, you know, in one way, shape or form, yeah. the left is telling us that the American Republic is not the most free, beautiful Republic ever created in the history of humanity that allows people to achieve more dreams than anything else that humans have made in history. That's the message coming from the left. So our whole goal is to say, okay, so take that sense of dismay over what you see and happening before you and let's supercharge that and let's move it to move us all forward. And that's why, we had an event in Dallas a couple of weeks ago. We had a thousand people show up for a No Better Friend event. Then we had an event in Nina where we had 500 people show up. Our first critical race theory event in Pewaukee, I think we had 600 people show up. We did one in Green Bay. We had a couple hundred people show up. Um, we had, well, we would, we did one in Dane County. How about this? Dane, we went to Dane County. We did an event fighting critical race theory, flew in great speakers from across the country had 500 people show up Wait a minute. in Dane County. Kevin, for those of us, I mean, we have a lot of listeners from across the country in different states. Can you explain the uh, regional, uh, the, the the setup here, Dane County? Where is that and why is that interesting that a lot of people showed up? Yes, of course. So I, I don't, I forget which governor it was and who said it, but Madison, Wisconsin is our state capital. It's where the University of Wisconsin is located. And one of our governors said that Madison is, I don't know, whatever, 25 square miles surrounded by reality. <laughs> so it is the most liberal part of our state, and Dane County is where Madison resides. And so it, it's as far left as it gets in the state of Wisconsin, and the city of Madison itself is one of the most leftist um, uh, cities in, in America, frankly. And so when you go to Dane County and you get 500 people to show up, 
And I know that people that are left of center assuredly came to that. And I actually will credit them because they listened. And we had great speakers from Vivek Ramaswamy to Dr. James Lindsay, who we did the podcast with. And we yep. were actually the podcast come out with Vivek, too. Um, and they listened. And I hope they took from this good lessons because our, our, here's what our speakers said about critical race theory in the heart of liberal uh, Dane County, which is, at the end of the day, this is a socialist uh, uh academic theory that has been introduced first at law schools and then all at levels of K through 12 university. Now the United States military and corporate America, which attempts to separate us on the basis of race. I firmly believe that the implementation of academic curricular curricula, as well as uh, corporate policies, military policies that are based on the lens of critical race theory are violations of the civil rights act of 1964. Hmm. And I think that is the most, one of the more important things we have to get across here. And what we've always tried to say to people, we're not just going to complain about this, but what do you do? What you do and what our speakers talk about and what I've talked about is a, you demand transparency. If we're talking about education in particular, all educational curriculums for students and for teachers, teacher training materials should be up online and easily searchable. Once that happens, we can write algorithms to search through, all that content across the entire country, and we can file lawsuits on the basis of the violation of the Civil Rights Act of 1964, which makes it very clear in our country, you cannot discriminate against people on the basis of race. And guess what? Teaching children to hate each other for things that those individual children never did is not, is not in keeping with the Civil Rights Act of 1964. Same thing true with adults in corporate America and elsewhere. So, Yes, to tell your listeners, we went to the heart of Liberal Dane County. We brought that message. We had an incredible discussion on it. It was 500 people in the middle of tornado warnings that came out. <laughs> and so, But that tells you so much to get to your question, where are people's heads at? Yep. That's where they're at. They yep. are really worried about where our society is, and they want to fight back against us. Right. And, and we're, we're right to. And we're seeing people, uh, more parents going to school board meetings, more citizens getting right. involved in politics because they're seeing this hostile takeover of the public education system. And I want to tell people, we're going to put that link up in today's podcast notes at standupforthetruth.com, the Right Idea podcast with uh, Dr. James Lindsay. I, he said some amazing things, great information. So we love that. But right. we, before we run out of time, I really want to jump to one other issue uh, it, under national defense. Uh, but I do want to ask about your article and your take on Afghanistan and what has happened over there and why it just doesn't seem like enough people pushed back on the Biden administration and just the, the tragedy of uh, people that have died over there and are still somewhat stranded. Can you share your thoughts on that? Yep. And I was in Afghanistan in 2008 and in 2009. I led a counter IED team there. So our whole mission was to go out and defeat the IED threat. So I've got skin in this game. I've lost both friends and family um, in Afghanistan. I take this very seriously. I, I will say this. I'm frustrated that for 20 years we've well, basically after the initial push in Afghanistan, we fought a war without a clear strategic objective. And I think that's a problem that many politicians own uh, prior to the current administration. But setting that aside for a moment, none of that excuses what the Biden administration did. In essence, if any logical human were to hear a plan where someone come, came to them and said that they were going to evacuate Bagram Airfield, which is the military controlled airfield in, in Afghanistan. I flew in and out of there when I deployed there. They were going to first evacuate that and then conduct a, a countrywide extract of American personnel and citizens. You would, of course, say, no, that is an insane plan. But yet the Biden administration abandoned Bagram in the middle of the night without notifying even our allies in the country, which is just there is no explanation for no. That other than the intentional introduction of chaos. Yep. And then you see, for example, you mentioned the service members that lost their lives. 11 Marines, a sailor and a soldier yep. who were put in an untenable position where if you had fought in Iraq and Afghanistan and you understood the dynamics, there's, there's things like standoff distance that are incredibly important with, with person, uh, human born IEDs and such. There has to be those kind of standoffs. Um, and we always had those protocols, but here the Biden administration forced these young service members in a position where they couldn't have those things. They couldn't set up a system that made sense. And then we were exposed to these bizarre lies coming out of the Biden administration, the Secretary of State's office and such, saying that they were working with the Taliban to, to, to keep ISIS-K at, at distance. And I just want to say to your listeners, that is such an transient lie. Like, there is 
there is fluid lines between these groups. They're gangs. They're gangs. These aren't governments. These are gangs of terrorists who at one moment may fight each other. The next may be the best of friends, and they have interchangeable people. So our government, like other leftist governments in history, is literally making up narratives out of whole cloth and selling them to the American people to cover up their disgusting mistakes, which cost American and local national Afghan lives. And as I look at it all, I, there is no excuse for this. The fact that the national media, yeah, they gave Biden a bit of a hard time on this because it was so humiliating. <laughs> they knew it was humiliating. But boy, no, no way, shape, or form they held them to account. And in that piece you're referencing, and I won't tell the whole story, but just it's important for your listeners to know if we lost so much as a pair of night vision goggles in combat zones, we as service members were held accountable and it frankly could cost you your career for losing something like a rifle. And that doesn't mean you lost it. It means someone in your unit lost it. And then you see the fact that Biden left behind helicopters, machine guns, airplanes, and handed them over to the enemy and then pretended like this was their plan. He basically empowered terrorists to kill us in the future. And I'll never take a bit of edge off that statement. Joe Biden empowered terrorists to kill us. Yes. And and we should say it and we should share that with our neighbors and say, look, we don't say that because we enjoy saying it. We say it because you need to understand that Joe Biden put your family in a worse position and to be safe, let alone prosperous. And we have to hold him to account and we have to remove him from office. Amen. Agreed. And one thing right. that you said, um, it, it is irresponsible. And unfortunately, there is such a lack of accountability when it comes to government and media, because the media, of course, I, I refer to them as a one-party media uh, because right. of the big tech and media conglomerate that really supports the Democrat Party and platform. And we've got to come to terms with that. Um, you mentioned earlier that, going back a little bit, you worked for a newspaper or, or a media, a media outlet? Yeah. What, what did you yeah, learn? Because college. that was the topic that got me writing blogs and got me writing my first book 11 years ago. Media bias and the lack of true journalism today. Um, it's just her, the horrific state of the media in America. Um, so right. share with us what you learned. So I was at that point probably 22, 21, 22 years old, and uh, I I had attended the University of Minnesota as a college student. That's where I met my wife. And um, uh, the the newspaper there is actually one of the largest student-run newspapers in the nation and like the fourth largest publication in the state of Minnesota. So it was a large operation, like 150 staff. And look, at the time, I was still in the process of getting out of the Democrat mindset and all the rest of that kind of stuff. Again, I knew this was bad stuff, but I was in business for the first time in my life. I learned a couple things. One, we made some changes to the structure of that paper. And this is actually, it gets right to the core of your question. We took the arts, they used to be like an arts weekly section. And we said, this is not profitable. And it's actually draining money out of our accounts. We have to integrate the arts coverage into a daily version so that we don't create this like this weekly that's, that's bleeding, um, bleeding money. So we did this and the paper, and we basically offered everyone who was in the weekly a new role in the daily, like they had that option to make that transition over, but we did terminate those positions and then allow people to apply for new ones. And boy, a bomb went off. (laughs) (laughs) I had basically handed reporters a chance to write on their own paper. And so they did. And so this became a thing at the college newspaper, but not just the college newspaper. It became a thing for all the alumni who wrote at places like the Star Tribune and all these other diaspora that would go into different Minnesota publications. I think at one point, Garrison Keeler was attacking me because he was, uh, I think, an alumni of the Daily, uh, that kind of stuff. And what you saw was, like, again, a complete manipulation of the situation because that was their mission. Mm-hmm. Their mission was to write like this was an assault upon the arts, which it wasn't. We actually had more arts coverage because it was on a daily basis. <laughs> now, take the, the campus politics, of course, was left of center at the very least. Um, but, but you see that that's how narratives are created and that's how they're driven. You see it in all examples. Uh, take, for example, what we've seen in the Rittenhouse uh, trial and all the things that were left out, all the important yep. details that just weren't covered. Uh, this was, of course, true in the bit Jacob Blake shooting that happened in Kenosha, too. All the things that were simply left out by the media so that it doesn't enter into the discussion. And that's how narratives are driven. That's how you end up with a situation where Joe Biden, who is clearly not up to the job of being president, is shepherded into office and everyone pretends that we have someone who everyone in the media pretends that we have somebody who's capable of being president 
what I think just at a physical and intellectual level, there's no indication that Joe Biden can do this job. These narratives are real. And then you compound that with social media and big tech, literally algorithms that are used to suppress certain news yes. and to promote others to create a dystopian view of what's happening. And look, if I were saying all these things five years ago, people would be like, oh, tinfoil hat, not real. We can all <laughs> say now, yes, 100% real. Yes. You know, it's happening in all different levels. The New York Post came out with reporting, which was which was completely accurate on Joe Biden's son before the election in yes. 2020. And it was wiped clean off the media scene. And if ever in that reporting more or less says that Joe Biden has accepted payments from foreign governments through his son. And that was removed from the conversation prior to an election. And if you ever want to say, like, where are we at with the national media in the United States? That's where we're at. Yeah. Kevin, we would love to have you back. Uh, There's so much more to talk about. So maybe we can schedule something again early in the year. Um, we just have I'd a f- love to. yeah. We just have a few minutes left, but I did want to at least have you touch on the issue that the media rarely talks about: the, the open borders. That's a national defense issue, and it's an economic issue, isn't it? So, t- just share your thoughts briefly on that. Well, so and it, it's so important, right? Because we want. I, I speak to audiences across our state, and the reality is this: Americans support people coming and immigrating to our country legally. Yes. And, what the left and the media has done by encouraging illegal immigration is they've done a couple of things. One, they poisoned the well in people's thoughts towards immigration because Americans do love legal immigration and they love the results of that, bringing the best and the brightest to this world, starting their American journey on the right foot. Well, by introducing illegal immigration and trying to basically eradicate the border, yes, they've, they've allowed um, crime and drugs and all sorts of other uh, nefarious material to come across the border. They've also put people that come here legally in a position such that they have to operate in the shadows, and they are dependent upon political actors to, in essence, take care of them. And that is the goal of the left, to create a group of people who are continually dependent upon them to be their advocates, yep. and they think that that gives them leverage. Again, this is not an anti-immigrant case. The case is, let's get the border completely 100% secure then we can talk about um, the next steps in that and making sure, again, that people are starting their, their American journey on the right foot. My only thing I can say to you at this point is our political class has shown that they just can't do it. Yep. Through a combination of corporate influence and the Democrats and the left believing that illegal immigration is a great issue for them and dependency is great, they have allowed this to occur. And, you know, this is why when I look at 2022 – and we think about the next steps, depending on what Ron Johnson does, I'll either run for the United States Senate or for the governorship of Wisconsin. Praise God. And I'll do it because of issues like this. We've talked about this to death now for yep. decades. And people aren't willing to take the risks to say, look, like it or not, like allowing and encouraging millions of people to come here illegally and then putting them in a disadvantaged position is not tenable for a society. It's the kind of thing that rips this thing apart, this thing called America. And if we don't stop this now, we are going to destroy our country. And again, not an anti-immigrant statement. It's do it the right way, create legal immigration, secure the border, and we'll have a better society for the future. Kevin Nicholson, thank you. From what I've heard and from what probably our listeners have heard from you today, you most likely would have our full support should you run. And I hope that happens. But we've got to cut it off here. Um, thank you, David. Thank you so much for your time. God bless you, Kevin. When we come back, a couple stories. First of all, we're going to continue the story about Bill Gates Foundation giving $319 million to major liberal media outlets. Also, the uh, battle about the next stage of rebellion, normalizing pedophilia. Are they really going to try to do that? It's happening. A lot more on Stand Up For The Truth in just a minute. Keep it right here. Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo. So before we continue that article on the Bill Gates Foundation giving $319 million to Democrat media outlets, okay, maybe there's a couple middle of the road, but certainly no Republican or conservative or Christian outlets and universities, by the way, um, $319 million. We'll talk more about that in a minute, but we've got to cover these other stories. And before we do, we started the podcast reading Psalm 1, the first couple of verses contrasting the righteous and the wicked. Blessed is the person who does not walk 
in the counsel of the wicked, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, God's word. If you go down to verse 4, right after it says, whatever this person who meditates on God's word, whatever this person does, he prospers. And then verse 4 says, but the wicked are not so. The wicked will not stand in the judgment. The Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Those are summed up the first six verses in Psalm 1, contrasting righteousness and wickedness. So let's go over and talk about some wickedness because we have to. Because this is what's coming down the road, friends. In California, there's a battle over misgendering, new word for some of you maybe, a law that punishes those who refuse to use, quote, preferred pronouns. I'm not making this up. Um, This is a court case. In 2017, it prevented uh, retirement home and long-term care workers from intentionally misgendering transgender residents. Okay, the law reads in part that it is unlawful for workers to willfully and repeatedly fail to use a person's preferred name or pronouns after being clearly informed of the preferred name or pronouns. Now, that was signed into law in 2017 by former radical California Governor Jerry Brown. And uh, if a person were to misgender someone, the violator could be punished by a fine or by imprisonment in the county jail for a period not to exceed one year, or both, a fine and imprisonment. Do you understand what's happening here? This is moral relativism and chaos on steroids. You could get fined and arrested in California, and it's going to happen in other states. They'll find a way to put it under hate crimes legislation or to hate speech if you misgender someone. So that's coming. It's, we've talked about this for years, and look out if the Equality Act gets any traction before the midterm elections next year, which we hope will be a blowout in favor of the conservatives and uh, Republicans. Well, we'll see what happens. Um, so the next stage of rebellion now, this is my article this week in my video for Freedom Project Media, Normalizing Pedophilia. Yeah, now, we understand there's nothing new under the sun. So sexual perversion has been around since you know, mankind lost. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, let's just go to the details here. There's a new term identified as MAP, MAP. What does MAP stand for? MAP, you're not going to believe this, stands for minor attracted persons. Someone that is attracted sexually to young children or minors, someone under 18. So this college professor in Virginia is now openly suggesting this is higher education, friends. This is the type of people they hire that pedophilia is natural and should not be considered wrong. Why? He says because not everybody acts out on their sexual perversion. Not everybody acts out on their attractions. Now, we will say this uh, for Christians. I mean, I agree that we'd be in a lot of trouble if we every time we had a temptation um, that we gave in, right? So we ought not to act on some of these desires or some of these, you know, attractions. Um, But Old Dominion University hired this guy, but fortunately uh, they placed him on leave after his controversial book just came out on the topic and his attempt to normalize the phrase minor attracted persons. Um, So let's get into the story a little bit more. His name is Alan Walker, and he identifies as queer and non-binary trans. He said in an interview, there is no morality or immorality attached to this, meaning when you're attracted like like an adult man attracted to a a 10-year-old boy sexually, there's no morality or immorality attached to that, right? That's just normal. It's just an attraction. This is how perverse we've become now, friends. But these are these people are, what are they promoting? Lady Gaga made it famous. They're born that way. They're born that way. Now, it's true that we all have things we should not act on. And as Christians, we have this fruit of self 
control. Thank God for the Holy Spirit. But we have to discipline our flesh, don't we? So in the world, those who are unbelievers, they don't understand this concept. They just you know, act out whatever thing will make them feel good. If it, if it feels good, do it, right? That, that was the mantra. So <clears throat> let's talk about some history here. America had been prepped decades ago for postmodernism and a new era of sexual behavior and expression. People began accepting immoral ideas and lifestyles, immorality on steroids, starting in the 1950s, 60s, 70s, 80s. And here we are today. This rebellion and sexual perversion were not new historically. But let's go back and just talk about our country in America. The increase of adultery and abortion were, came early on, and that helped set the stage for so many other things. Pornography, homosexuality, transgenderism, drag queen story hours, and of course, pedophilia. The progression has been clear. Reject Jesus, reject the truth, indoctrinate kids, promote promiscuity, win over the culture, normalize perversion, no more shame. If it feels good, do it. Love is love, right? Celebrate pride. It was inevitable. Once the Supreme Court and black-robed elites endorsed same-sex unions just six short years ago, many of us warned the conse- about the consequences of their decision. It's been a slippery slope. And that slippery slope rapidly became a downhill drag race to destruction. Um, I want to share a little bit about some history that some of you may not realize. In 1973, the American Psychological Association, the APA, removed homosexuality from being a mental disorder due to pressure from gay activists. And now some are predicting they will do the same thing with pedophilia. Just a few short years ago, the American Psychological Association even launched a task force designed to remove the stigma, quote-unquote, associated with polygamy, even going so far as to give the lifestyle its own politically correct term. Ready? Consensual non-monogamy. Kevin Nicholson earlier just talked about how the left is redefining words and they're changing our language and introducing new, more benign or, um, you know, casual or not offensive, non-offensive sounding terms. But anyway, let's talk about the earliest gay pride parades. They included NAMBLA. Are you familiar with N-A-M-B-L-A? What does it stand for? The North American Man-Boy Love Association. Now, they were later kicked out of the parades, but uh, now this has been a goal. The LGBTQ++++++ platform to erase age of consent laws. Now we're talking about normalizing pedophilia. Um, And in my article, if you want to pick that up on my website, my personal website, also at freedomproject.com, I reported it in 2018 on the Catholic Church scandal, which involves decades of abuse as priests and top leaders molested young boys and girls, but mostly boys. 85% of the victims were young boys. And Cardinal Raymond Burke went on record three years ago to say, we have a very grave problem of a homosexual culture in the church. Yes. Now, this goes back in the Catholic Church to 1950. What, has, what did they acknowledge in this massive report three years ago? Bishops, Catholic bishops, acknowledged more than 17,000 people nationwide reported being molested or sexually assaulted by priests and other leaders in the Roman Catholic Church. Full report, I'll put a link to that in the article, Actually, it's in the article. I'll put the article at standupforthetruth.com in today's podcast notes. So it's worth noting here in our history the dumbing down of immorality and the, the whitewashing of influential individuals in our past, including Planned Parenthood's founder, Margaret Sanger. What did she do? She promoted birth control, um, racism, eugenics, feminism, sexual promiscuity, adultery. 
John Dewey in the public school system promoted Marxism, humanism, uh, moral relativism. He was planning to dumb down the education system 100 years ago. And during that time when Margaret Sanger and John Dewey were influencing the nation, evil was about to kick into hyperdrive when Alfred Kinsey came on the scene. Who's he? Warped sexologist. He was a bisexual pedophile, but if you talk to anybody in academia, Hollywood, and the Democrat media in America, they celebrate him and promote his work. He did sex research. So the left has done a good job of burying the truth on some of these issues uh, when Kinsey and his associates performed their research on prison inmates, prostitutes, and very, very young children. Kinsey was not only guilty of scientific fraud, but of serious crimes. Now, some refer to him as the father of the sexual revolution in America. Others say he's probably the most influential bisexual and, uh, and child molester in this nation's history. One of his goals of his, quote, research was to prove that humans are sexual beings and that the earlier in life we start to experiment and experience sexual pleasure, the better. Where do you hear that concept? The, the public school system in America. Come on in, Planned Parenthood. You know, let's, let's hand out your condoms and cards just in case girls get pregnant. They can go to you for help. But also, come on in, LGBTQ+++++. You can talk about whatever you want. Let's get kids to experiment. They're going to do it anyway. Let's might as well promote it and talk openly about it at, to children at younger and younger ages. So what, is this, what does this mean? We have an ABC culture, anything but Christ and the biblical worldview. So parents, concerned citizens, you've got to understand the direction the media, the schools, our culture has taken and protect your children. All right? Uh, We're running out of time, and their souls are at stake. So the church and many of its leaders, I'm afraid, are going to have some explaining to do on Judgment Day. Uh, For example, at church, let's talk about that just for a minute. When have you heard a sermon or your pastor talk about just warning believers about conforming to this world, to loving this world. When have you heard them talk about uh, the tendency we've had to accept or accommodate sexual immorality in all of its forms promoted and trumpeted throughout our culture from television to social media to the, to the actual mainstream media to the Democrat Party to wherever, whoever else wants to dumb down our morality. Um, so we know that anyone who says live and let live. They don't really mean that anymore. Uh, How should we respond? Love others. Keep preaching the word. Um, Romans 12, 21 says, do not be overcome by evil. Overcome evil with good. So I'll leave that right there. We didn't get to the Bill Gates article to continue that. We'll try to do that on Monday um, next week, but I'll put that in the podcast notes. So next week, speaking of Monday, we've got Julaine Appling coming in. The Wisconsin Family Council, Carl Teichrib, On Tuesday, you'll hear from Dr. Erwin Lutzer on Wednesday, Thanksgiving Day next Thursday. God bless you. And as always, keep speaking the truth about things that matter.